Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it's time for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. And honestly, I have so much stuff to talk about today on this Wednesday podcast. It's hump day. Congratulations. We're halfway there. Nonsense. It's the day before the game. The Steelers play on Thursday night in week three at Cleveland, and I'm not going into that spiel about you know where you can find our podcast. Let's be honest. If you're listening to me, and you're a Ride or Die crew member, you know exactly where to find our podcast, so we're just going to move right into things. We need to talk about so much stuff, and this is only that's only the first half of the show. The second half, we saw the mailbag, and I even said on Monday that I'm going to do an abbreviated mailbag. That, those were my exact words, an abbreviated mailbag segment. And I didn't even retweet the tweet thinking, okay, I'll put it out a little bit early, whatever. Well, nope, 31. 31 questions, maybe even more by the time we get to it, but still... I'm going to answer them all. This might be going a little bit long, so buckle up, baby. As uh, the old 2-Niner says for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's time. It's time to get this show on the road. Let's start with some news. I'm going to start off with some good news. Good news that the Hall of Fame announced their semifinalists again. They do this every year, and then it slowly goes down to finalists, and then obviously they have their class for the upcoming year. Six members of the Pittsburgh Steelers are listed as semifinalist, there is one new name five that have been finalists before and there's one new name okay so the new name is james harrison james harrison for the first time he is in that list the other names heinz ward casey hampton big snack chad brown james farrier they called him potsy and gary anderson the place kicker so we'll see how this goes. You know my feelings about Heinz Ward. I did an entire podcast devoted to why it is an absolute crime that someone like Andre Reed or even Chris Carter, not my buddy Chris Carter, the actual football player, that they're in the Hall of Fame and Heinz Ward isn't. You can go back and listen to it. It's still there. You can find it. Search Let's Ride Heinz Ward Hall of Fame and you'll find it. and Give it a listen and you'll hear my take on that. So we'll see. We'll keep tabs on it. I don't want to get too far down that road because I'll get really angry in the fact that Heinz Ward isn't in the Hall of Fame. Other news. So the, the Steelers had their media availability today. Remember, it's a short week. So you had Mike Tomlin on Monday giving his press conference on Monday instead of Tuesday. So then Tuesday, you have media availability for the, the coordinators and players. I mean, Everyone was talking, and so there was a lot of stuff going on, but then there's this little tidbit shared by Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, our buddy Jer Bear, and it was about how Mitch Trubisky was saying, they asked him, hey, Mitch, are you able to audible at the line of scrimmage? And he's like, well, sort of, but not really. What? Mitch can't audible at the line of scrimmage? A six-year veteran, if he sees a certain coverage and knows that play's not going to work, he doesn't have the power to audible out of a play What are we talking about here? I'm sure there's some caveats to that, but that's what Mitch Trubisky said, according to Jerry Dulac. I found that absolutely astonishing. If Kenny Pickett were the quarterback and he said, they don't really want me audibling too much, I get it. You're a rookie. You haven't seen all the stuff that the NFL can throw at you. Sometimes you just got to run with what the play play is called for, what it's going to look like, even if it fails. But with Mitch, a six-year veteran, I'm not buying that. This is weird. This is a really weird situation. And I'm sure 
If this was a full week and Mitch Trubisky was in front of the cameras again and was asked about it, he would do the same thing he did on Tuesday. We might as well just call the day after or the first media availability following a game walk-back day because that's when everyone starts walking back their comments. You know, Mitch Trubisky made the comments after the game on Sunday. He said it. I didn't make up those quotes. You heard it on my Monday show. And now he's walking him back, walking him back, because he realizes he put his foot in his mouth. He might have been 100% accurate, but he put his foot in his mouth. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, all these offensive players that were saying things like, you know, you have to put the you have to put us in position to succeed. All those quotes that we've all heard ad nauseum, they started walking him back, walking him back. Walk back day. That's what this was. It was a walk back day. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But you know what? I don't care what they say. I want to see them do something spectacular on Thursday night. I want to see them go out and beat the Browns on Thursday night football. And that's kind of We're going to get there, but the the gist of this podcast in the first half is going to be why a short week could be just what the, it could be that magic elixir, just what the doctor ordered for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. It really could be. Before we do that, and we've got so much here today, folks. We've got the DEFCON update. We're going to do a rookie review, random thoughts. I've got the injury report, previewing the game, keys to victory, my DraftKings sportsbook parlay, and that's all before the flipping mailbag so let's get right to the defcon let's go back to the defcon so defcon remember i'm going to do this every week the defcon numbers are one to five one is get your wife and kids get the car packed up things are going sideways in a hurry we need to get out of town okay and now the the five is all is well remain calm think about kevin bacon in animal house as the parade's going berserk, and he's just yelling, all is well, remain calm. That's five, except things wouldn't be going chaotic. So let's go over offense and defense and special teams and where my DEFCON rankings are, or the DEFCON levels, heading into this week three game. Quarterback, I'm sorry it was at a four for a long time. I think I might have even had it at a five. It's down to a two. And it's not because of the depth. I think Mason Rudolph is quality depth. You know my feelings about Kenny Pickett. And it's just that Mitch Trubisky is not playing well. Whether it's coordinator, whether it's quarterback, I don't care. It is not working. And so that's why it's a two. Wide receivers and tight ends, it's a four. I don't see them as being the problem. And it's the same with running backs. Jalen Warren playing well only solidifies the position. Najee Harris had some issues. He's getting the rust now. He's knocking the rust off, you want to call it that. He missed some holes. I'm sure every running back could say they missed holes every single game. But I'm still going to keep it at a four. The offensive line, everyone wants to crap on the offensive line and say these guys stink and they can't do this and they can't do that. I'm not seeing that. No, they're not the best run-blocking unit in the NFL, and they're not the best pass-blocking unit in the NFL, but they're also not a dumpster fire like some people say they are. I have them as a four. I have them as a four. So the DEFCON rankings heading into week three for me, DEFCON levels, quarterback two, pass catchers four, running backs four, offensive line four. Shows you where I think the issue is, right? You knew that. Let's go to defense. Defensive backs. I have it as a four. This includes safeties and cornerbacks. Yeah, Cam Sutton should have made that interception, but I still like what I've seen from the the defensive backs. Akella Witherspoon should have at least broken up the pass intended for Nelson Aguilar. He didn't. I get it. I still like this group. They're a four. Inside linebacker. I like Bush and Jack. I really do. They're, I think they look really, really good, really solid. 
Robert Spillane playing on third down still just makes me scratch my head. And on Tuesday, Tara Lawson was asked about Robert Spillane being your third down inside linebacker. He said he's a really smart guy. He's a good communicator. That's great. Thanks, Terrell. But the problem is, is that Spillane is a coverage liability and you're putting him on the field in primarily a coverage situation. That's a problem for me. Inside linebacker because of that is three. Outside linebacker is a two. It is a two. Without TJ Watt, I thought they might be able to sustain some type of pressure. They have not been able to do that. Until they do, we're at a two with the outside linebackers. It's time for Alex Highsmith, Malik Reed, Jameer Jones, uh, whether it's the newcomer uh, or whether it's Delonte Scott who was promoted. I don't care who it is. Someone's got to step up. They're at a two. The defensive line, I expected a little bit more from them in the last week and week two against New England. They did a good job stopping the run but couldn't do it when it mattered the most. I know they were tired. They'd been on the field a ton, and but they were also rotating players in a lot, and they just could not get off the field. The defensive line is a three in terms of DEFCON level. So looking at DEFCON levels for the defense, defensive backs are a four. Inside linebackers are three. Outside linebackers are two, and defensive line is three. Now special teams. Special teams, I have that as a four. I had that as a four. Just, again, consistency. That's what I want. I want consistency. So you can see when you look at the DEFCON levels where my concerns are. Okay, we we concerned with the quarterback position. I'm concerned with inside linebacker, meaning Robert Spillane. We'll see how this plays out on Thursday Night Football. Let's go to the rookie review. It's something I'm trying to do every single week is to review what rookies are playing in general and what rookies might be playing well. So I want to bring up George Pickens, who's only caught two passes, been very vocal. He was in front of the cameras on Tuesday, and he said all the right things. He, But he also said, and I love this about the guy, he didn't back down by saying that he felt he was always open. And there's some people that would say, oh, yeah, that's arrogant. No, he he wants the football. He said, I'm a, I'm a big guy that can run sub 4-4s. Four I'm always going to have a step. So trust him. Put the ball up in the air. We'll see what it, if, if, it paint, if it plays out. But Pickens, he's been playing. He hasn't had that play, big play ability that we all thought he was going to have even early on the season. But it might be coming. He said it's going to be difficult on a short week, but we'll see. DeMarvin Leal saw his first snaps as an outside linebacker slash edge slash defensive end, whatever you want to call it. This is something several people, including our own Shannon White, have said since he was drafted in the third round out of Texas A&M that he had the potential to do that. Um, I know that Shannon White compared him to Lamar Woodley, former Michigan product, former Steelers outside linebacker. I'm not going to go that far, but it was good to see Leal getting a lot of quality reps and showing off a repertoire of skills. And then lastly, the undrafted rookie, Jalen Warren. He's been playing really good football. He's been doing it all, special teams, and he ran the ball well. He's very decisive with his cuts. He's a one-cut downhill type back, and there's some times where that's what an offensive line needs. They need to know exactly where you're going to go. I'm not here to say that Jalen Warren should play over Najee Harris. The way they've been deploying these players, I've been happy with. It's going to help Najee Harris's longevity, but it's also going to help when it comes to Jalen Warren being a change of pace back. And when you watch them play, they are a change of pace back. They might not look like it, but they are. And we've always talked about how that's what the Steelers need. They might have found that in Jalen Warren. All right, let's go to some random thoughts here. Random thoughts before we get to the preview and keys to victory. So with the random thoughts, I want to be very clear on something. 
This is not a new trend when it comes to people that cover the Pittsburgh Steelers or the NFL in general. We have people that do this on our own staff, mainly Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey does a good job, in my opinion, on Twitter and in articles of really showing the full play. I can't stand it when these film gurus, use air quotes there, decide that they're going to take a still photo of something and say, look, look at this right here. And then they draw these really glaring conclusions to that one still image. It's not that what the image is showing is false. That's not what we're saying at all. But it's that what that image is showing is a millisecond of a play where very large human beings are running right at each other, colliding, and things happen in a split second. So to to take a still photo and say, look at that, I just feel like we're it's kind of like you're hoodwinking people. If they show the full play, but even in the, even that, it's just one play. It's just one play, and yes, one play can tip the scales. I, I talked about Joe Gibbs. Uh, I called him a quarterback on Monday. That was not true. I, he, was, he was a head coach, a Hall of Fame coach, Joe Gibbs of the Washington Redskins, and he talked about how you, you, know, you win four plays, four to five plays, you can win the game, but more plays fail than they succeed. So yeah, you can show a play where Najee Harris had a pretty good hole, and he just didn't get it. He didn't hit the hole. He, it, it was a failed play. And you can say, look at this. His vision stinks. <clears throat> Excuse me. But are you showing the plays where he creates something out of nothing? Where he does find the hole? Where he has a smaller hole and is able to shimmy his way through it and create a positive gain? I just, beware the film gurus. I said last week, beware the stats after one week where people say, ah, the Steelers rank here, here, and here. I said, beware those people. This week is beware the film groovers because they can really, really mess with fans' heads. Okay, and a lot of fans, last final, last random thought here. There's a lot of fans now that are saying that, you know, well, Steeler fans love to complain, but no one has a fix. Like, no one knows how to fix it. Well, here's my thing. It's not my job to fix it. It's not anyone that's listening to this podcast, unless you're a player or a coach, to fix it. It's not our job to do that. You know, you want to talk about a fix? You want to talk about, well, you know, the fans, where does it fix? That's not my job. My job is to follow the team, cover the team, root for the team. Yes, I hope they make good decisions. I hope they make wise and sound decisions when it comes to the things like free agency, the draft, trades, all that stuff. I hope they make good decisions, but I'm not the one making the decisions. So if you're out there saying, oh, we need solution," No, you don't need a solution from me. I, I am no one to them. I'm a fan. It's not my job to fix it. They fix it. They fix it, I talk about it. They don't fix it, I talk about it. They fix it, I write about it. They don't fix it, I write about it. Y'all see how this works? It's not my job or any fan's job to fix the problems. We're just going to cover the team. All right, let's talk about the preview here. Let's preview this upcoming game. Cleveland Browns. In Cleveland, week three, Thursday night football. I never liked that. Cannot stand Thursday night football, but nonetheless, here we go. Take a look at the team records. Both teams enter the game one and one. Both are coming off of a loss. We know the Steelers lost to the um, New England Patriots. And the Cleveland Browns, well, we, we know they Joe Flacco got it the best of them, the New York Jets, last week. So the Cleveland Browns and Steelers both enter this game one and one. 
Steelers are actually in first place in the AFC North as the only team with a division victory, so that puts them above everyone else. In terms of the odds, the Steelers are getting five and a half points. The latest DraftKings Sportsbook odds, they're getting five and a half points. It's incredible how this line has changed since it started. And even as the Browns report that players are going to be out for this game, it just keeps going more in their favor. Really weird. The over-under is set at 38 The money line, Steelers plus 175, the Browns minus 205. Now, the last five games in this series has the Steelers with three wins and the Browns with two losses. Now, when you look at the overall matchup history here, the Steelers lead the series 79 wins, 61 losses, and that ugly tie from a few years ago in week one. Let's take a look at the injury report. Tuesday, let's start start on Monday. Monday, September 19th, there should be an asterisk here. It was not an actual practice. This was an estimate. So they, no team, Steelers or the Browns, neither of them actually held practice, so this is nothing but an estimation. The Steelers on Monday said that Devin Bush would have been a limited, would have been a limited participant on Monday. Tuesday, September 20th, he was a full participant. So they had a walkthrough, and he wasn't limited, and that's it. That is it. It's great news on a short week that the Steelers don't have a long injury report. Now, you go to the other side of the docket, you look at the Browns. Yeah, Monday, September 19th, it is an estimated report for them as well. It is lengthy. Joe Betonio, guard, biceps, did not practice. Tight end Harrison Bryant with a thumb and a thigh, did not practice. Jadavian Clowney, ankle, did not practice. Tackle Jack Conklin with a knee was limited. Tight end Jesse James, biceps, did not practice. Chris Hubbard, tackled, illness, didn't practice. Isaiah Thomas, defensive end with a hand, was a full participant or would have been. And defensive end Chase Vinovich with a hamstring, did not practice. Now, what was really weird, and I don't know why they did it this way, the Browns' Kevin Stefanski on Monday said, Chase Vinovich, Vinovich, whatever you, however you say his name, him, Clowney, and Jesse James, the former Steeler, yes, Jesse James caught that ball, were all ruled out already. He said they're not going to play. So let's take a look at Tuesday, keeping that in the back of our mind. So guard Joel Batonio with the biceps tendon did not practice again. Harrison Bryant was limited. Jadavian Clowney did not practice. Jack Conklin, limited. Miles Garrett with a neck injury did not practice. That's interesting. Chris Hubbard. Did not, or was limited with an illness, and Isaiah Thomas with a hand was a full participant in practice. So when you look at the two teams from an injury report standpoint, boy, are they different. I mean, you could not be more different when it comes to the short list of just one name for the Steelers and a lengthy list and three players already ruled out. And Stefanski said they are going to have to take a wait-and-see approach to Miles Garrett, uh, especially other players like Harrison Bryant. They're not sure if they're going to be able to go. So that's going to drastically change the outlook of this team and the outlook of this game based on their availability. So keep that in mind. Keep your eyes out for that. Looking more at the you know news and notes type stuff, you know this rivalry with the Cleveland Browns and the Steelers, they're familiar foes. AFC North, they play each other twice a year. Last year, the Steelers actually beat them twice. In Cleveland was the game where the Steelers were able to win without a kicker after Chris Boswell left concussed when they ran a fake field goal. And then we know that the second game was at Heinz Field, and that was Ben Roethlisberger's last home game at Heinz Field, the last game at Heinz Field before being renamed Acroshore Stadium. So that's – and Thursday nights, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up, but I will. 
Last time the Steelers played in Cleveland on Thursday night, we know Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, 2019, and they've lost there before on Thursday night, back in the infancy of Thursday night football. It's just not been a great place for them. The Steelers, without T.J. Watt, 0-6-1 since the start of the 2021 season. That's going to loom large. Steelers are going to have to just get the job done. Find a way. Find a way. And this is going to all tie into the fact that, in my opinion, in my opinion, this game coming up on a short week could be just what the doctor ordered for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you think about it, it's a short week. The loss against New England is going to sting. It has to sting. And if you're honest with yourself, if the Steelers make just a few more plays, they don't muff the punt. They they get the interception by Cam Sutton. Akella Witherspoon knocks down the pass, just knocks it down. Doesn't have to intercept it, just knocks it down. They probably win the game. They probably win that game. So that's got to really stick with them, you know what I mean? And so getting back on the football field, although difficult on a short week, could be just what the doctor ordered. This can't linger. It can't linger. They can't dwell on week two. That that dud has to be long gone. So you win. If the Steelers can somehow, some way, find a way to go on the road to Cleveland, win. Now you're two and one, two and zero oh in the AFC North, and you're going into a long break before the New York Jets come to Pittsburgh. Now you lose. If you lose, you're going to have to expect some changes. I, I think you would expect some changes in Week Four, especially if the loss is ugly. If it's a highly contested game, that's different. But if it's ugly, I think it's safe to say you could expect some changes to happen. All right, let's take a look at the keys to victory. What do the Steelers need to do? Well, let's start on offense. Three keys. Number one, run the effing ball. They need to just to actually commit to the run. In the last two weeks, they've only ran the ball 22 times total. That's not one player. That's not Najee Harris getting 22 carries. That's a total, and that includes quarterback runs if Mitch Trubisky has to tuck it and run. 22 times, that's not enough. Run the ball. Be committed to it. Second th- second key, take calculated risks. There's a really big difference between take shots, take risks, and calculated risks. When I say take calculated risks, I'm talking about being smart with, okay, here's what we see. Cover one, cover two. I like this matchup. Take a risk there. You, you're using your brain. It's not just willy-nilly with these risks. Take calculated risks. And then the last thing, I'm going to keep saying it, until the cows come home. Win key areas. Third down. In the last two games, the Steelers are 12 for 30. That's 40% success rate. But it's not just about you know the red zone. They're two for four. They've only been to the red zone four times in two games. I mean, think about that. But still, it's when that matters. And I talked about this in my winners and losers segment. When matters. In the fourth quarter, when the Steelers needed a third down conversion, they didn't get it. They didn't get it in the fourth quarter. Twice. Just get a first down, they couldn't do it. So yeah, the 8 of 15 is, well, it's above 500. But they failed when it mattered the most. When matters. Defense, three things. Number one, you have to slow down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I say slow down intentionally. They're going to get theirs. You can't let them burn you for a big play. Second thing, take the ball away. They took it away five times in week one, only once in week two. Jacoby Brissett can be had. You have to force the issue. And that starts with getting pressure on the quarterback, by the way. There's like a little caveat to this one. It's pressuring the quarterback. Actually, get a sack. Register a sack, please, without T.J. Watt. And then the last one is give me the bend, don't break. Keep the Browns off of the 20-point mark. 
Keep them off of 20, and the Steelers have a fantastic chance of winning this football game. So who's going to win? I got to give you my prediction. So my prediction, first and foremost, the Steelers are getting five and a half. Take the five and a half and run. Like get to the window before the line changes. Place that bet. Steelers getting five and a half. Yeah, take that bet. Now I'm going to give you my DraftKings parlay here in a second. But my pick, since I'm not going to have, you know, we don't have the whole all bets are off segment here on a Wednesday. I like the Steelers to win this game, 23 to 17. Yeah, that's the same score I predicted against New England. I was close. I was close. If they would have, you know, a couple things went their way. Actually, I think this was my week one score. 23 to 17. I think the Steelers just, I think back to week two, they didn't play well, but they still scored points. They were still able to move the football at times. If they can just have a little bit more consistency, just a little bit. And I can't get out of my head how Cleveland was just gashed by the Jets. Steelers offense should be better than the Jets, if, I, if, if I'm thinking correctly. So I have the Steelers winning 23-17. to 17. All right, so now it's time for the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay. This has not been pretty. The last two weeks, I've given you three legs of a parlay, and I've only hit one in both weeks. Last week, it was keeping New England off of 19.5. I took the under. So every week this season, we'll be cooking up our own parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for all of you, our loyal fans, to follow this week. The parlay is, here we go. Now, it's a primetime game, so I actually had choice of individual player parlays and, and odds and stuff like that. I only went with one. Let's hear Here we go. First and foremost, Cleveland total points, 19 and a half. Take the under, plus 155. So I have Cleveland being held to under 19 and a half points. The Steelers points, 20.5. I said take the over. You know my prediction, 23.17. This would hit. Take the over, that's plus 205. Now here's where I go to individual players. Pat Fryermuth receiving yards, that is 49 and a half yards. I mean, this is Pat Fryermuth. He's been targeted a good bit. 49 and a half yards, I say take the over for plus 180. So here's the parlay one more time. Cleveland total points under 19 and a half for plus 155. Pittsburgh Steelers points, total points, 20 and a half over plus 205. Pat Fryermuth yards, 49 and a half over plus 180. Be sure to check out our Twitter. There will be a direct link to this bet for you all to get involved. Each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday, or in this case, Thursday, more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for more details. All right, we've almost done a whole flipping show before we even get to the mailbag, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So when we come back after this break, I'm diving headfirst into the mailbag. Y'all have questions. I have answers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half. It is time for the mailbag. You know, I felt like I needed to, the Steelers fan base, my ride or die crew needed something special. We needed to get back to good times, and I brought back the Shooter McGavin gifts just for this game. Maybe the whole season. We'll see how it plays out. Let's get right to it. 
with the questions. Heath Davis gives three. First, hey, Jeff, is it too much of an overreaction to say that I have seen Mason Rudolph play better than Bisky Business has played thus far in the year? I don't think that's too much of an overreaction. Mitch Trubisky has done nothing special. Mason Rudolph hasn't either, but he's also played winning football times. Heath Davis says, fine, uh, I'm sorry, second question. With a stalemate on blame between Trubisky and Canada, do you believe Canada just lets Trubisky rip it Thursday and opens him up to make his own reads to clear his name? This is assuming Mitch. what Mitch said is true about the play calls. I could see Canada opening things up a little bit. I don't think he's just going to let him rip it, as you described. And I would also think that Trubisky's wondering, how do I play this out? Do I play conservative? Do I stay with a conservative card just in case? I don't know. That's going to be really interesting and a really good facet. Good, good point, Heath. Last question from Heath. Final question. Does the old Steeler Panther get to ride after the, does the old Steel Panther get to ride after the Browns game or do you wait to after the bye week to pull the trigger? Also, just because you hate saying his name, who would win a fight? Three Jordan Berries or one Cam Hayward? Okay. The Steel Panther. Um, I, I don't even know. Let's go to the second part. Jordan Berry, three Jordan Berries, one Cam Hayward. Give me one Cam Hayward because Jordan Berry, the weasel boy, he's not doing anything. Trust me. Let's go to the next question. Southside Doc, Doc M says, does the offense need to truly be be let to fail before it can be built to be a consistent threat or can enough Band-Aids be placed on it to get it to league average? I don't think that it needs to be let to fail, and I don't think that it's a given that it's going to be let to fail. I think the Steelers offense is a work in progress. How it progresses, that no one knows. No one knows. A lot of it hinges on the production of the team. Do they run the ball better? If they do, that's going to open up more things for Trubisky in the offense. If they don't, is it going to be pass-heavy? Are they ever going to take shots down the middle of the field? That stuff that's all predicated on other things. It will progress. They will continue to work. We'll see how it plays out. Okay, Brian Haynes, he has several questions. He said, are you worried about Thursday night's game? I feel like even without Watt... The Steelers should be able to have a good defensive showing, but I'm worried after Sunday. So the defense is not my concern. The defense played well against New England. The defense, yes, in the fourth quarter, they gave up a lot of rushing yards. We know they didn't get the ball back. That was awful. How did the defense play poorly otherwise? They gave the ball back to the offense. They got off the field on third down. I'm not worried about the defense. I'm really not. Next question from Brian. He says, I won't miss this week, meaning the mailbag. When do fans say enough is enough when it comes to mediocrity? We have we all we have all pro players and we haven't won a playoff game in years. What are you gonna say? You're not gonna follow the team anymore? Are you gonna say that's it? I'm turning in my fan card. I'm gonna go root for another team. I'm not. Are you? Is anyone? Folks, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. I suffered through 20 years of losing seasons and I still stayed with the team. Pirate fans are the equivalent of Browns fans in the NFL. So in this case, I'm not going anywhere. Do I want them to succeed? Absolutely. Am I going to leave the team? No, never. Not unless they leave. So keep that in mind. Brian Haynes uh, says, uh, can we make the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky? Honestly, I think they honestly could if they get everything rectified. That's a big if, though. And his last one. Is Pickens and Fryermuth not being utilized in abundance on Canada or Trubisky? Either way, they need to fix that really quick. Well, I think the Pickens, I'm, I'm not sure if they know how to utilize him, was really fascinated by the Snap Count article and Jeffrey Benedict's podcast on Tuesday. Go listen to that if you haven't yet. 
about the snap counts and how the utilization of wide receivers and tight ends, just really strange, really strange stuff. Pat Fryermuth is going to get more targets as the season progresses. He's going to be a legitimate threat. It's one of the reasons I had him on my DraftKings parlay. Let's go to the next one, Cheeseball10. He asks, I personally am very frustrated with the offense. It looked forward to Canada getting, quote-unquote, his guys, but so far it hasn't worked. What needs to happen for this offense to start scoring points? Is it concept, Mitch, or both? I think the first thing they need to do, they need to run the football. They need to provide, they need to show that they can actually run the football with success at will. And when they can do that, that opens up play action. That opens up so many other things. Bootlegs for Mitch Trubisky. They need to run the ball. But I do think it's a little bit of Mitch being inaccurate. It's Mitch locking onto receivers, and it's a little bit of the concept issues right now. They just need to get things straight, and they can. just takes time. It's only been two weeks. I have to remind myself of that sometimes as well. King Tibbs says, Why is there a 53-man roster but only 46 players dress? Seems like it diminishes the significance of making the roster if you're mostly inactive on game day. There's been multiple instances of two quarterbacks going down in the same game, and an emergency player stepping in, this could be a fix. That's a great question. I honestly don't know the answer. This is probably Dave Schofield's answer. I'm going to throw this to Dave. I'm sure that if, if he has time on his stat geek on Thursday, he'll be able to answer that question. I honestly don't know why they don't allow all 53 players to dress on game day. That's a good question. Dave, I know you're listening. Take a look. If you know it, I'd love to hear it. Corey Eckenroth asks, why wasn't there any bump and run man coverage on the outside? Our cornerbacks are greater than the wide receivers of the Patriots. The hoodie has been beaten, has been beating the Steelers for 20 years with crossers to hit the soft holes in the zone defense. Oh, and by the way, New England just got another first down on a crosser. So Corey follows me on Twitter. I was very frustrated. I knew exactly what was going to happen. You know, it's, this is a conceptual issue. That was a question just a few minutes ago. Is it concept or is it players? This is a concept thing. Mike Tomlin is a zone defensive mind. He brings in Terrell Austin, who adapts the same philosophy. It's not that they don't run man concepts. There are certain situations where they're very predictable, and that's a problem. That is a problem. We'll see if it continues. All right, believe we already rebuilt like that. He said, how about some love for big press? He seems to have gotten through the issues and is destroying the ball, an average of 49.6, which is eighth, fifth longest in 69-yard punt, only one inside the 20 and two touchbacks, but much improved over last year. Yeah, the consistency is improving. It's heading in the right direction. I like the trajectory of the player. As Mike Tom would say, I like the way his arrow, his arrow is pointing up. Aiden Blaine asks, what players have impressed you the most in the secondary outside of Minka Fitzpatrick? I've been I've been impressed with Terrell Edmonds since he was drafted every year, more and more, and that continues. I think the player, though, that I'm most impressed with, there are different facets of the game. So first is Akella Witherspoon's willingness to tackle. I Every time Akella Witherspoon comes up and makes a tackle, I feel like he's taking his middle finger and he's flipping off Jeffrey Benedict, who wrote how Akella Witherspoon avoids contact like the plague, and he's just like, look, I can tackle. So I love the fact that Akella Witherspoon is becoming more physical. Other than that, Arthur Millette has become a much better, more well-rounded nickel cornerback than he was last year. Last year, he was a liability at times. Not so much this year, and he's 
improved on blitzing, and that's shown in week one. Good question, though. Eric Askew says, if you had the opportunity to play at Augusta National, but the only way to get in is to partner with Jordan Berry, would you still go? Yes, yes, I don't care. Jordan Berry, uh, I'd have no problem with the guy as an actual person. I didn't like him as a punter for the Steelers, but as a person, hey, let's tell some stories. I'm sure he could tell me some crazy stories about stuff that happened in the locker room. He could tell me about Mike Tomlin. He could tell me about Danny Smith. I would love to hear some of those stories. And at Augusta National, you kidding me? That's a no-brainer. Then he asked also, what frustrated you more on Sunday, not related to the game, terrible terrible camera angles, or constant advertisements for Slime Time Live? Well, Slime Time Live is awful. I've said it before. They it, Honestly, if a kid needs to see stupid Nickelodeon slime to enjoy football, no one's teaching him the game correctly anyways. The second thing it's not the camera angles. Those are bad. Why am I seeing Robert Kraft on a critical fourth and short where Derek Watt gets the bat, gets the, uh, where Derek Watt gets the running, the handoff and gets the first down. We don't even see the play CBS. Get your stuff together. All right. Corey Eckenroth has a couple more coming off the sack party in Cincinnati. Pittsburgh didn't register a single sack on Sunday. It was also concerning how easy it looked for new England's offensive line to push around the Steelers front seven was the lack of pressure generated by the front seven concerning to you. Now it was, they didn't really blitz a lot though. They didn't send a lot of pressure. They tried to get pressure with the front four and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it probably because Bill Belichick had an inkling that they were going to try to do that and was prepared for it without TJ Watt. It's not as difficult. So I'm not concerned about the defense as much as some people are. Let's see how it looks in Cleveland. Next question from Corey, the offensive line pass blocking is obvious strength of the team. I feel like the running run blocking issues are schematic. Why does Canada put Najee in pistol slash shotgun running plays instead of single back or strong eye with a fullback? Last I checked, Pittsburgh is still paying a fullback. Yet they have used the fullback and it hasn't always worked. I know we all have visions of Dan Kreider and Jerome Bettis. It just doesn't always work that way. I think Najee Harris is a running back that can run in a variety of schemes. He's sure I'm sure he has his favorites, but still, yeah, I, I'm not sure. That's a schematic thing. Next question from Justin Pinksker. He said, I will just ask one question. Is this entirely the fault of the cut and paste component? <laughs> the cut and paste component. That's I love it. That never gets old. Great, great question. Yes, it is all entirely the fault of the cut and paste component. Alexander Dines says, now start a situation on who to blame on the Steelers. The players are claiming it's about play calling. We are seeing bad execution. At least the offensive line has improved. Is that? Is there any hope for this team? Is Kenny the piece, the missing piece of the puzzle? I, if, I, I have to tell myself this. I'm going to tell you this the same. It's only been two games. It has only been two games. And we have seen in the history of the Steelers as fans, where things have dramatically improved as the years progressed. Do I think Kenny Pickett is a missing piece of the puzzle? I think he could be a part of the solution, but I don't think he you could ever or it would be smart to just say, well, Kenny Pickett is the answer, and he's the guy, and he worry have all these expectations. No, he is still a rookie, but at the same time, I could see that things start to go a little bit better offensively. Maybe they put up close to 30 points in a game. I'm not saying it's this game, but they put up close to 30 points, and all of a sudden, these smaller concerns will just slowly go away. I guarantee it. Zach Farnsworth asks, do you have a go-to golf club to get you out of a jam, or does it depend on the day of the course? It depends on the jam, Zach. That's the big question. It depends on the jam. 
For instance, if I'm under the trees, let's say it's the pine trees. My country club that I play, uh, they, they have pine trees that run along almost every single hole. And the thing is, the nice thing is that they have trimmed them up. So you're not in jail, but you have to know how to play a low punch shot if you want to successfully get out and try to save par. So yeah, in that situation, you're going to need five to three iron, maybe even a wood, depending on how far. It depends on the jam, Zach. That's the question. Next time, be more specific and I'll help you out. All right. Uh, I think it's this is our old friend Zibs. Says, do you think the issues recently brought up regarding Najee's vision are concerning, or is it still the offensive line, a bit of both, or all overreaction from people calling him Trent Richardson 2.0? Yeah, I've, I have not heard the Trent Richardson 2.0, but I think that's really bogus. I think that, yeah, that he's rusty. He has not gotten to know this offensive line very well. He has not played a lot with them. That matters. That matters from both the offensive line and the running back. But I do think it's a little bit of both. His his vision and the O-line, they're not really moving bodies. I'm sure that when Najee looked back at the film, he probably said, man, I left a lot of plays out there. So keep that in mind. It could improve. Todd Hall says, is it worth to see what Mason can do at this point? He has the most familiarity with the Canada offense and would not tarnish Pickett until Canada is gone. Um, Mason, if you know, if, if they were to pull the plug on Trubisky, it would be interesting to see what they do with Mason. I'm not even going to go down that road, though. Not until it's even worth talking about. Thank you for the question, though, Todd. Ryan Carter says, after re-watching the game, it seems like the O-line makes bad decisions on who to block. Do you think it's a coaching problem or uh, an individual problem and can be fixed? We won't talk about Najee's vision. Thank you for not talking about Najee's vision. I think that they're still, the, they being the offensive line, they're still learning that new system of Pat Meyer. It's going to take time. Like it's, I, I hate preaching patience, but I think sometimes I have to remind myself that you have to be patient. And so uh, I do think the offensive line is improving. Let's focus on that. They are improving. But, yes, it's it's probably coach, scheme, and individual player. Amendez asks, who gets pulled first, Trubisky or Canada? Easy. Trubisky. The Canada thing, if you're going to fire a coordinator, you do it in the offseason. It would have to be absolutely blatantly awful for them to change this early. And I said this, and if they ever fire him, I'm going to go on a podcast, and you already know the headline. I said it's a slippery slope when you do all this stuff to appease a Matt Canada offense, and then you get rid of the guy. They went down that slope. So then he continues, is there any scenario you can see where Roethlisberger's brought in as an offensive consultant? No, no, no. Leo uh, asked, do you think we the Steelers have a chance against the Browns with the current state of play? Yes, I predicted them to win. So, yes, I absolutely do. Kyle Stone, do you think there's any chance we could see Pickett come in this week against the Browns? And what do you think it would take, and what does this scenario look like? Would it take a Titans-Bills situation getting blown out? Maybe. So I think that if Trubisky – I don't think we see him at all if Trubisky is healthy, um, even if the Steelers are getting crushed like the Titans with the Bills – but at the same time, it would have to be something drastic for him to even see the field this week. This week. So it, this is going to be a really interesting game for a lot of reasons. All right, next question by Joe uh, Cirillo, I think. If Bisky business can't get it done, does that mean the Big Ben critics from last year should be silenced? This team is objectively better than last year's, and they made the playoffs. I think that the Big Ben critics from last year, you're, if you're going to be critical of him then, it just depends on how you're being critical. Are you being critical on the short passes, the lack of air yards, you know, the, the not going under center from shotgun? I'm, I'm not trying to dig up old bones here. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but for me, uh, nah, I'm going to pass. 
Kyle Anderson says, long time listening, first time asking a question. Thank you, Kyle. Part of the Ryder Die crew is chiming in. Everyone's worry was putting Pickett behind a bad offensive line and getting him hurt or rattled and ruining him. Honestly, I don't feel like the, the offensive line has been that bad. I agree, Kyle. If that's the reason behind not putting Pickett in, why not now? I don't think that was the reason. I think that Tomlin wants the veteran. Tomlin wants to let Pickett learn and sit and absorb. And until he has to, he's not going to play him. I hope the fans realize this. Last question from Kid Covington. Is the NFL becoming more aggressive on offense, making some play calls just plain dumb? Reason I asked, twice the Raiders passed in overtime when they're just a few yards from the field goal target line. The first pass was almost intercepted. The second one was completed, then fumbled after a good tackle. Why not run the ball? Had it been the Steelers, I'd be beyond fuming. If the NFL is encouraging dumb calls for the sake of more passing, where does it end? Do we have a team? Do we have a team score up 30s left opposition with no timeouts, but instead of killing, they try and push it downfield. I think that the NFL is being more aggressive, and yes, sometimes it's to the detriment of themselves, and that's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. So I think that you have a situation where sometimes coaches outthink themselves. We saw it with Todd Haley on the third and shorts where he dial up a deep bomb to Antonio Brown. It might work once every three games, but what about all the other times? I'm not a fan of that either. I agree with you. Sometimes you just run it, quarterback sneak it, live to play another down, move the chains, get on with your life. All right, folks, that does it for me. It's a long show. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, though, because I got a lot of good stuff out there. Hopefully you enjoyed it. In the meantime, make sure you check out the I'm not going to be on the postgame show, but I will be back on Friday for my winners and losers. Check out Kyle Kreiss and Greg Benevent on the postgame show, and I will be back on Friday for all things Steelers after the game. You know how I finish it up here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll talk to you on Friday.